1: You can find him on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend, John Oning. Landon, what's going on, sir? I can
0: hear you uh, f- from your ham radio operations that you, you're you clearly <laughs> doing in a closet somewhere deep in the Antarctic Plain, I am assuming. I'm
1: in my igloo doing this podcast for you guys right now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing out here, but... Uh, enough about my weather situation and the climate that I've decided to live in. Uh, let's go ahead and get to some of your guys' Twitter questions. Uh, I sent out a tweet today. You guys had some, some really good questions, and I don't want to jump right into them. Uh, this first one comes from John Kim. Landon, why did it take this long to get the tight ends meaning, meaningfully involved in the passing game? I like that question because I thought I actually thought Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin played pretty well on Sunday. Uh, we both have got the chance to watch the All Twenty Two. Um, from last week's game. So what did you see from Jarwin and Schultz, and why has it taken so long to get these guys involved? I think a lot of it
0: has to do with the fact that these are young players who are trying to figure out how to play the game. You know, a tight end is a very difficult position to transition to in the NFL. Uh, you know, we talked about when Schultz, he came into the league, and, and, and you know, the, one of the advantages that he would have uh, coming from Stanford is that Stanford kind of teaches, you know, it's more of an advanced class for tight ends, you know, the coming into Absolutely. the league. You know, they, they 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 kind of do a little bit closer to what NFL tight ends are asked to do uh, while they're in college. But but beyond that, I think you know it's it's just a very generally difficult transition because think about what a tight end does. I mean, tight end is a is a you know a cog in both parts of the offense, uh, and and they do several different things, you know, whether it's run blocking or pass blocking, or uh, you know, out for, going out for uh, going out for passes, and then that itself is its own category of receptions. I mean, running the routes inside versus uh, you know complicated defenses is its own difficulty and and so you right. know all those things all those techniques have to be earned and learned and that's and not an easy thing and so both of these guys jarwin who is a second year player but i would say might have been you know just kind of in the same spot where Schultz was, where, you know, he came from a place in Oklahoma state where he was essentially an H back. I mean, I don't know how much he even played with his hand on the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, a lot of that is, was having to be learned. And, you know, and I mean, we're not even mentioning Rico gathers who <laughs> hadn't even played football previous to this until from eighth grade. Great. So when you take Swaim out of the equation uh, of a, of an already very inexperienced tight end group, you know, now you've got some real inexperience of the position. So they're getting on the job training this entire season. Um and I think what you're seeing is and, and you know, if you listen to what we you know people like me and some other people that were at training camp talked about, they use the tight ends a lot. I mean they they tried to get them involved mm-hmm. a lot and they they had faith in some of the talent at tied in they clearly like jarwin a lot and he was doing a lot of things in practice but uh, you know doing that in training camp and transitioning that to the an NFL game at live speeds is a difficult process and i think you know we it's taken 10 11 12 13 games to for these guys to get their head speed up to where the NFL is and i think what you're seeing now is that they're comfortable uh you know they're they're i mean pe- you know people like like Jarwin, it, it was more about just getting him used to the speed and getting everything. And now he's using his athleticism. But but someone like Schultz, what you're seeing is that Schultz is doing everything correctly. You know, it's like he's got his assignments down and he's doing things like, you know, the, what was really impressive was that that little ten yard turnaround, making himself available as the hot read. Um, you know, it was, it, it's it's a very simple play, but it was the absolute correct play. He made himself available quickly for Dak. On a blitz uh, and was able to catch an easy pitch and uh, catch for 10 yards and a first down. Um, you know, I just think like stuff like that and just them executing their assignments properly uh, as opposed to maybe not being so sure or maybe not, you know, uh, completely trusting what they're seeing, it makes you play better. And I
1: think what you're seeing is that these guys are developing. Projecting forward, so let's say the next two years, which player do you expect to have? a better career, or maybe just be the better player, Blake Jarwin or or Dalton Schultz? Because I'm starting to have questions about it now, because I thought Jarwin's game on Sunday was easily the best I've seen him in his career so far. I mean, I think right
0: now they're, you know, they're the two sides of what this Team likes in their tight ends, right? We, I think, and we. T- and this is a, a trope or a, 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 a categories the a slotting of tight ends that we talked about all the way back to training camp, right? Like they like having a jack of all trades, uh, uh, a guy that can do everything for them, and then they like to counter that with a guy who is more of a receiving tight end, a big body guy, but a guy who could go right. out and, and, and catch the ball. And I think that's the what you're seeing. Swaim is your kind of duo it all because I mean if you go and watch this game Swain was lined up all over the place was do, asked to do all kinds of different things blo- you know run blocking uh, I saw him pass blocking Mar- uh, uh, not Mar- Michael Bennett a couple different times <laughs> you know I mean you know doing some trap blocking doing some uh, going into the hole doing some across the formation stuff and then you know also going out into passes and catching passes and then you saw uh, you know you saw a little bit of that with um, Jarwin, but more of just you know them lining Jarwin up in different spots in the slot in bunch formations, um, you know, and and trying to get him open to uh to to get him opportunities, and and he you know converted every opportunity this week. So I think when you get seven targets and you convert seven targets, you're likely to get a similar workload going forward, and if not more. So I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Jarwin. You know, I think that's what could be interesting is that the way that you, you kind of counteract Witten or the loss of Witten is, at least for, for now, is in pieces, right? You you, you you take part of the job and you give it to Schultz and then you take part of the job and you give it to Jarwin. And, and you know, you're not afraid to use both of them on the field at the same time and, and line them up in different ways because uh, you feel like the versatility of Schultz gives you a lot of options there. And the, you know... Playmaking ability, the athleticism of of Jarwin uh, allows you to, you know, kind of try to get create ma- mismatches, try to get him in the slot, try to get him uh, open in interesting ways, and, and get him the ball.
1: Jarwin reminds me of what I think people were expecting Gavin Escobar to be. You know, this big yeah. athletic tight end that can make plays after the catch, that has a big catch radius. It just never worked out for Escobar, but I think Jarwin can be that type of player. Um, but I think you're going to need to pair him with a do it all guy like Schultz. And, you know, hopefully going forward, uh, I think Schultz is a guy that needs to get a lot stronger. Please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But it, I feel like his technique is good. If he could add some weight this offseason, yeah. add a little bit of bulk, you're going to see a much better player in year two. You would agree with that assessment? Yeah,
0: I would. I would say that the thing that makes it work right now is that he has excellent technique. And that that was right. the thing that you watch at Stanford too. His tape is that he is super well positioned in all his blocks. He understands the he understands leverage very well for a young player. So uh, yeah, I think if he can get a physical, you know, uh, skill set, build up his body, his core strength, his upper body. I mean, everywhere really. He if he can just gain you know twenty five pounds of. Just muscle, uh, you know, which you know sounds crazy, but he's six six, six seven. That's not that yeah, crazy. That. So I think you know it would really accentuate what's already there. He's got everything he needs in his technique and his skills. He just needs a, a body that can really you know take advantage of of good technique and leverage.
1: We're going to have to have a conversation sometime about what the Cowboys should do in free agency regarding their tight end situation because Jeff Swim is projected to be a a, a free agent. While I don't think he's going to get a ton of money, uh, he's a guy that's played a lot of snaps, can do a little bit of everything. Is that a guy that you would be interested in bringing back at three or four million dollars a year? Or are you comfortable, you know, kind of just going with some of these young guys. Um, we don't have to make that answer now because we get obviously three more games and potentially yeah. the playoffs to figure out what these young kids can do, uh, but just something to monitor going forward. For sure. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will come back, and we'll talk a little bit about Tavon Austin. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is I don't always know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. And that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now... MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Tommy wants to know Could the possible return of Tavon Austin improve the red zone offense or special teams in any meaningful way? What do you think, Landon?
0: I definitely think that it'll have an effect on special teams. I mean, I think, you know, having a guy back there, especially if the defense continues to, um, you know, play at the high level that they do, and and if we're able to kind of win some of these field uh, position battles punting in in the shadow of your own end zone uh away to a guy like Tavon Austin is a nightmare for special teams coaches. Um so uh, I think you know specifically in that area yes potentially. With red zone I, I I you know I think it's tough because the thing that gives Tavon juice is space and in the red zone you don't have a lot of space to operate and I know it seems you know and, and to think that he could, you know, be uh, someone that could f- potentially improve uh, that, uh, you know, that, uh, that spot. But I, I think that where you, you might be able to have an advantage is if you could find a way to give him a screen or get him the ball safely, quickly, Uh, With blockers in front, and I think that that if he can, you know, that's the thing is if he has the ball in his hands, and you're not trying to find him space to get him the ball, uh, I think that yes, if he's got blockers, he's dangerous because again one of the issues with Tavon Austin is because he's so small and he if he's behind blockers you lose him it's hard to it's hard to keep right. track of them and right. and so uh, i think that there is opportunity like in a you know let's say a tunnel screen or a reverse that's got some uh you know in a reverse that's going into a bunch formation or something that that has, you know you've got people in front of him uh that maybe are are limiting the the exposure of the defense but otherwise i would say it's a lot like beasley and and you know beasley um, the the difference is there is that in situations like like we had this last week where you know they played some cover zero in the red zone and so Beasley had no safety help over the top so that one that one uh, toss to Beasley uh, like those those things can work because if Beasley can make one move and beat a guy uh, then he's got some. W- room to operate in the back of the end zone. Um, he got held on that play, by the way. Yeah. And, just and just it, throwing that out there. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that was... Th- there's a lot of... If you go back and watch a lot of these red zones stuff, like, it's frustrating because... You know, there's a lot of stuff that kind of just went wrong and some stuff that was just poorly executed. So uh, I have hope there because I feel like they can can just clean things up. And, you know, listen, I think part of the other thing that's going to help too is – and this is completely off the topic there, but, you know – Tyron Smith is still working his way back in, you know, like he's still not a hundred percent from where he was. And I don't know that his his game is quite calibrated for, you know, after having missed some time. So uh, I think having the offensive line, hopefully, you know, a little more solid would will help a lot of this red zone stuff but uh, the problem with Tavon in the red zone is is getting him the ball it, can he can you find a way to get him the ball because everything is just so condensed down there uh, but yes i agree once he gets the ball in his hands if you could find a way to get the ball in his hands with some blockers and stuff because he's so elusive because he's so fast because he's so small and hard to see uh, he could he could use he could do something um, and, get, and get get around and score it into the end zone real quick
1: I think Tavon can be a big addition to this offense if he's healthy. He, he has to be 100% healthy because I absolutely he's agree a, there. Yeah, like, I mean, he, uh, he,
0: he, generally, he's definitely a huge help. It's just the red zone is like that's specifically
1: he, where it's like I'm not as sure. It, it's going to be tough to get him involved in the red zone because he's such a special a, a specialty player. Um, I, I do think special teams has been a problem for the Cowboys for the last couple of weeks, not only on punt returns, but kick returns. It, it just hasn't been a great unit. So I do think he can maybe help a little bit there. You talked about Tyron Smith a little bit. We have a question about him from Andrew. Is there any reason to be concerned about Tyron Smith's three holding penalties on Sunday? I know he's banged up, but I was starting to have Flozell Adams flashbacks. Um, I, I really quickly before I let you talk about this. Uh, the NA- ESPN had a really interesting article today about offensive holding calls in Week 14. Uh, going into this week, I don't, did you happen to see this article? I didn't actually. Maybe you did. Going into this week, the NFL told referees to enforce offensive holding uh, more this week. They said that too many times players were getting away with holding. Uh, so they this week, in Week 14 alone, there was a 42% increase in offensive holdings across the league. Uh, with Tyron coming back from injury, playing a good pass rush, I think they were being a little bit more ticky-tack on some of the calls. Two of the holds on Brandon Graham that Tyron had, didn't i i mean th- you can let those go 99 times out of 100 i mean those are just pretty soft calls so in that regard i wouldn't panic too much that was just the league trying to enforce something in a nationally televised game so i wouldn't panic too much there what did you see from tyron on the field uh from the L22
0: yeah i mean i, I think there were definitely some that's interesting because th- there were definitely some uh some ticky-tacky calls of the of the three i would say one was definitely ticky tacky. One was very borderline, and one was definitely a hold. Um, I, I agree. I think that uh, you know part of the issue is again that he hasn't played. I mean, what? How, how did it, Was it two
1: games that he missed? I think. Um, uh, but well, it, it was the Thanksgiving game, uh, the Saints game, and then you know the end of the Falcon game. So yeah, about what, two, oh, and, a half two games. and a half games. So you know, really. Um, I think
0: it's it's really more just about calibrating things. I, I don't know that he physically struggled, um, but I think that he also, like, he struggled with things that I think he was out of practice with. Like, um, you know, they had to stop running outside. They had to stop doing some of the normal you know pull and toss stuff that they did outside because Tyron could wasn't hitting his targets outside you know and i think that's when you talk about a big guy trying to hit a little guy that's about technique about getting outside breaking down finding your target and eliminating it i don't know that, that i don't think that that uh, his stinger or his elbow is the reason that he couldn't get there you know what i'm saying so so sure. um, I, I so i think that uh and and let me just go ahead and back right up. I will not stand for Flozell Adams' slander on this podcast. <laughs> Flozell was good, man. Flozell Adams great. was a very good tackle. Yes, he got called for holding a lot, but Flozel Adams was a great player on a team that many years had no good players and uh, sure. finally, finally aged into a, 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 a nice offensive lineman later on in his career, but... Uh, we will not stand for Flozell Adams Slander did, did here. You know Flo, did you
1: know? Did you know Flozell was deaf in his right ear? I did
0: know that. Did you it, know? Was, well, it affected his draft status because people didn't think
1: that he could play uh, right tackle because of it. Uh, he he should have played. He should have played right tackle in his whole career, right? I mean, if his if his right ear was deaf, well, uh, it, I thought it was his left ear that was deaf. Maybe that's what it was.
0: Yeah, but it it doesn't matter because he overcame it and it was never a problem. And he played both sides, if I'm not mistaken, without any issue. So he did. As yeah. he went
1: to the Steelers, he switched over to the right side. That's so, right. Yeah. Um, let's take this question from Matt. Who would you or would you rather be the number three or number four seed this year? So. The playoff picture in the NFC is almost set. I mean, we kind of know at least five of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. The Seahawks are going to be the fifth seed. The Cowboys are likely going to be the fourth seed. The Bears are going to be the three seed. Uh, that sixth seed is a little bit up for grabs. It could be Minnesota. Um, it could, it actually could be Green Bay. It could be Philadelphia. Who, you know, what spot are, do you feel more comfortable being in? The three or the four spot? Um,. Because if well, you're the four, you're going to probably have to play Seattle. Yeah. If you're the three, you'll probably get a team that finished the season pretty hot.
0: Yeah, and that's always... Uh, I kind of think that, um, I you know, I, it really is more about who we're playing, you know? So uh, right. I, I, I kind of think that uh, I would probably want to play Seattle, I
1: think. I don't know. You know, I, I think I, I'm not afraid of Seattle. I mean, I think Seattle can obviously win that game, but I'm not afraid of Seattle coming to Dallas without Earl Thomas. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. That first game they, they played, Earl was the difference in the game, and we didn't have Amari Cooper. Yeah. You you you, you change the location of that game, the Cowboys' defensive line's playing better. I don't think that's a game where you're worried that you're going to get outscored. You know, right away. I think that I, you know the Cowboys I can't would imagine, love to play that sound game.
0: A, I'm not afraid of anybody that we would play at the third or fourth seat if we're playing at home. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe I'm depending on the person, I might be a little nervous going going to Seattle or Sure. Going to Minnesota just because, you know, history of those buildings and those are tough tough places to play, but um
1: yeah, like You know you know uh, what's very realistic though? That they if could they play Green <laughs> Bay. Yeah, if they were the three seed they'd have to play Green Bay. Green Bay has a pretty soft schedule the next three weeks. I kinda you know, if,
0: is it crazy that I kinda wanna do it?
1: Like I like I kinda, Yeah, you're like, crazy. I don't, no, I don't want I don't want any part of Aaron Rodgers again. I I, I, no, I know you. I know
0: you don't, but like for me, like I uh, it like it's almost like all right, you, you you wanna you wanna exercise some demons, let's exercise some demons. Like you know what I'm saying? Like cuz here's the thing. Let's say you beat Green Bay. Let's say you do it. Imagine how on fire this team would be if they beat Green Bay in a playoff game. Like it like this team would light up like a Roman candle. It would be so hot. <laughs> I mean, seriously, think uh, about the. I mean, it's the, very a, true. A, a mental and emotional boost of 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 overcoming the hump. Like y- you would feel like you're the chosen one. <laughs> like it would be that sort of you know uh, anointed oil. Like oh, this year is this special. Like we we figured it out. I don't know. I, I just feel like there's something about that particular game winning against them that I I feel like. Could be the
1: catalyst of uh, potentially a special run to the playoffs. If the Cowboys want to beat Green Bay, they're going to need their secret weapon in David Irving to come back and play. And that's our next question. Is from Bruce: What is the deal with David Irving? Are we going to see him at all this year? I don't know, man. I just don't. I, you know, it's like I just,
0: I have. It's hard to. It's hard to know what's going on right now. I mean, I, I, I think at this point we. We, this is the point where I feel like we should start hearing something because I mean at this point he's got to be close to over the the ankle right like even if it was like a high he ankle is. sprain he is yeah so uh, and, and maybe you've got some more information here but I've got none and I and I don't really know what the status is.
1: Uh, He hasn't been around the team for the last couple weeks, but from everything I've heard, he is healthy and he just needs to get back to Dallas to play. Uh, He's going through some personal things, which we've kind of talked about on this this show before. Uh, But Dallas is basically just waiting for him to show up. Um, And I think, listen, if he shows up here in the next two or three weeks and he's healthy... Are they going to hesitate to put him in the game? No! I, mean, I don't think so. No. no, of course not. That's that's a guy that gives you elite production. I just think they're not banking on him coming back, but they would certainly welcome him with open arms if and when he does. So I think it's just a situation where we just have to kind of wait and see and cross your fingers that he decides to come back and play some football. But until then, not much more we can say about it, right? yeah I mean there's just uh, this is something outside of football this
0: is something that's not related to football Uh, unfortunately it's affecting his football and it's affecting our football team but uh, yeah absolutely it's it this is not really something that we can comment on expertly because it has nothing to do with injuries or his play or anything like that this is personal stuff and you know it's hard to put a timeline on that
1: All right, now this is our last question for the day. A lot of people are fired up about this Cowboy team. They're starting to believe. Uh, I got this question from three different people. If the Cowboys get past the wild card round, who would you rather play, the Saints or the Rams? I mean, again, people, they're really optimistic about this team. Uh, Just because it's fun, who would you rather play, the Saints or the Rams?
0: Hmm. I kind of think I want to play the Rams.
1: I agree. I, I don't. I, agree. I,
0: I don't. I don't want to go to New Orleans and have to play New Orleans again. Like I, I feel On like a Saturday night, a Saturday yeah. night game. No, yeah. El, dude. Someone who lives in LA, like these fans don't know what the hell they're doing. Like <laughs> they, they, it'll
1: be fifty-fifty cowboy fans there.
0: Oh, at least probably, and yeah, and I, I just feel like, uh, you know, McVeigh is fantastic and has been great but you know we haven't seen him have a ton of success in the playoffs yet so um I, I think you know whereas uh Sean Payton clearly knows what he's doing there um so I probably yeah I think just the just the fact I mean especially after watching that Bears game right like
1: like I think you can bully them up front. You really can.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can, and that's always should have been the 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 you know their vaunted offensive line is not quite as vaunted as everyone thought, you know. Um, so I, I think if anything, you know you 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 can go into L.A. and and think that you're going to get probably like you mentioned a fifty fifty fan base. You, you know, you're getting a young quarterback, a young team. Um, that doesn't have the same kind of maybe stabilizing forces. It doesn't have the veteran leadership, maybe that that uh, uh, at least on offense, right? That, that can kind of slow them down. I just have great faith in our defense, and um, I think that they, especially like we mentioned, if David Irving is playing, they could really they could really mess things up for this for that L.A. Rams offense.
1: Alright, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Lynn and at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and of course, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time.
0: Hey Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.